BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And on the line with us is our old friend Victoria Jones, the chief Washington analyst with the D.C. radio company. Her Twitter handle is Victoria Jones D.C. Victoria, welcome back. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I wanted to get an update on what's going on or what you're hearing is going on with Boris Johnson. I realize, you know, you're a you're an American citizen, a U.S. reporter based in Washington, D.C., but you're also you were born in Great Britain and you have great connections there and you watch that media very carefully. I'm curious your thoughts on the Queen's speech Sunday night. And I particularly want you to help us understand this whole concept of shadow ministers. So let's start with Boris Johnson. It's the latest. Boris Johnson is in ICU, uh, intensive care, in the hospital. Downing Street, number 10, is saying that Boris Johnson does not have pneumonia. Now, until today, ministers and number 10 have refused to give a clear answer to that question. He does have coronavirus. But uh, until today, they would not answer whether he had pneumonia. He was stable overnight and remains in good spirits. He has received oxygen, but he apparently has not been on a ventilator. His foreign secretary, Dominic Raab, has temporarily been put in charge, whatever that means. And it's very unclear there is a very interesting backstory, both in The Guardian and in The Telegraph, about how Boris Johnson has been sicker with coronavirus than either he or his aides were letting on for some days now. Thursday morning, the suggestion made by a source was that a bed was being prepared at St. Thomas's Hospital for the prime minister. And um, a, a conservative member of parliament had heard a similar story. And this was basically um, denied. And this mm. went on for some time. Yeah, the denials went on. Um, and obviously, this was true. And he uh, continued for days, as you know, to say he was chairing things and doing all these things. It's now coming out, well, he wasn't exactly doing all this work. He was being updated on things. Mm. 
but he was basically sick as a dog. Uh, sick as yeah. a dog. So um, I'm, I'm curious how the British people yeah. are responding to this, Victoria. Are you know, if Trump was to come down with the coronavirus right now, I think the uh, probably there would be a fairly predictable partisan split with Democrats saying, you know, he shouldn't have minimized it if he had jumped on it on January 20th, the same day that we had our first cases, South Korea, if he had done what South Korea did. South Korea has no deaths today. China has no deaths today. South Korea has fewer than 300 dead people total. We're averaging that every five or six hours. You know, it's all his own fault. On the other hand, you would have had Republicans saying, how dare you politicize this mess? You know, it's uh, we've got to all pray for our president. How's it breaking out in the UK with regard to Boris Johnson? Because he was an early COVID-19 or coronavirus denier, just like Trump. In fact, they were the only two, I think, in the Western world. Yeah, they're looking at it a bit differently. I'd also urge your listeners to be a little suspicious of the numbers coming out of China, to be suspicious yes. of the number zero. But South Korea's numbers are solid, so and things. they're verifiable. South Korea's numbers, yeah, I, I would say it's solid, but uh, I wouldn't trust any numbers coming out of China at this point. Well, the British are taking it a little yeah. differently. Boris Johnson, according to people who have worked with him in the past, and people who know him now, does not believe in illness and sees it as a weakness. So this itself is very interesting. Hmm. But people are generally wishing him well from both sides of the aisle. There isn't a conspiracy belief that, that, that he's somehow been infected or something like that. One mayor of a town or a council leader did put something on Facebook about how he deserved it. She's now thoroughly apologized. But generally, that has not been publicly verbalized. A question was asked at the press conference by Dominic Raab today about if you're so big about telling people to be careful and not catch it, how come three senior ministers of your government have come down with it? The answer was, well, Mm. it's indiscriminate. Tell us about the Queen's speech. And also, Ed Miliband is, I guess, the shadow business energy and industry secretary. First, the Queen's speech. And then I want to get into this whole uh, shadow labor thing. And let me mention also that at the time this is all happening, we should bear in mind that Parliament has been sitting for a month. And there are rumblings about Mm. this, that all these decisions are being made by senior ministers and Parliament is not involved in any oversight. So this is considered quite serious. The Queen's speech was, uh, it was not a war queen. It was a queen who was really calling on Britain to come together. And it was only the fifth speech by the Queen to the nation like this. And it, it was very powerful calling for quiet, good-humoured resolve, fellow feeling, self-discipline, and reminding people that we will be, we, people will remember how we responded on this. And it, it was, you know, she doesn't speak with a lot of emotion. It's not her way. But it was extremely powerful. And her, her two, several references to the Second World War, Churchill herself as a young woman, and to that very strong wartime song, these are things that resonate with Britons, whether they're strong monarchists or not. And I think it hit the right notes. Tell us yes, about shadow Obama. ministers and, and how that might be shadow adopted in the United States. This is interesting. They have a shadow cabinet in whatever uh, party is out of power. 
Keir Starmer, the new Labour leader, has brought in people from the outside as well as the people who ran against him in this Labour leadership contest. Ed Miliband, who is a former Labour leader, has been given um, a shadow leadership post. And this is very interesting. Keir Starmer, in his acceptance speech, also apologised to the Jewish community, something Jeremy Corbyn never really did. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how strong Keir Starmer comes out in his leadership when Parliament comes back. So they use these shadow positions basically to say, if I was in power, here's what I'd be doing. And it gets widely publicized because they're the shadow ministers. That might ever happen here? Yes, it would be a good idea to basically shadow the minister. They're like defense on a football field. They shadow them. Mm -hmm. They hold them to account effectively and saying, well, that's what he's doing, but he should be doing this. So Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders would be well advised to create shadow cabinets? I think it would be a really effective thing because, yes, they could hold President Trump's cabinet more to account that way. Thank you, Victoria. It's great talking with you today. Her Twitter this handle is Victoria is Jones DC. Program. The Republican war on voting rolls on. You know, the president has acknowledged this. Uh, Numerous Republican politicians around the country have acknowledged that going back to 1980, Paul Weyrich famously, when he was campaigning for Ronald Reagan, said, you know, our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down. And now the Supreme Court has gotten into the act. Tony Evers, the Democratic governor of Wisconsin, Tony Evers said, we haven't even gotten all the ballots out to people for vote by mail, for absentee balloting. And so we're going to extend until the first week of June, the period of time in which you can get the ballots back to us. The Wisconsin Supreme Court is four to six Republicans. And the state Supreme Court said, no, you can't. And then the U.S. Supreme Court said, no, you can't. The city with the largest black population in Wisconsin, the most democratic area of Wisconsin, the most democratic city in Wisconsin, you know, maybe parts of Madison are right up there too, but is Milwaukee. And Milwaukee normally has 180 polling places. They depend on volunteers to staff those polling places, and so they only have five open today. In rural areas around the state, they've got the state police, they've got local officials staffing the places, And no problem at all. In the white rural areas, you can easily show up and vote, and you've got social distancing and everything else. But if you want to vote in Milwaukee, if you're black, you're going to take your life in your hands. You know, that's basically what they said. In fact, here's the Supreme Court decision. This was RNC versus DNC, basically. This is from Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dissent. And in the dissent, I'm reading from the dissent to yesterday's Supreme Court decision. Quote, because gathering at the polling place now poses dire health risks, an unprecedented number of Wisconsin voters, at the encouragement of public officials, have turned to absentee voting. Accommodating the surge of absentee ballot requests has heavily burdened election officials, resulting in a severe backlog of ballots requested, but not promptly mailed to voters. The court's order requires absentee voters to postmark their ballots by Election Day, April 7th, that's today, i.e. tomorrow, this is from the decision, even if they did not receive their ballots by that day. 
That is a novel requirement. Yeah, you think? You have to send in your absentee ballot even if you haven't gotten it yet. Otherwise, it won't be counted. Ruth Bader Ginsburg continues, the court's order, I fear, will result in massive disenfranchisement. Well, of course it will. That's why they're doing it. A voter cannot deliver for postmarking a ballot she has not received, yet tens of thousands of voters who timely requested ballots are unlikely to receive them by April 7th, the court's postmark deadline. She continues, the court's suggestion that the current situation is not, quote, substantially different from an ordinary election, end quote, boggles the mind. Some 150,000 requests for absentee ballots have been processed since Thursday, state records indicate. As of Sunday morning, 12,000 ballots reportedly have not yet been mailed out. It takes days for a mailed ballot to reach its recipient. The Postal Service recommends budgeting a week, even without accounting for pandemic-induced mail delays. So here you've got the Republican Party saying, no, we don't want people to vote. We've got a really important Supreme Court case here on the election. We want to get our right winger reelected to the Supreme Court. It's really important. And, you know, we know that in the rural areas of the state, there's going to be no problem. The virus hasn't really hit the rural areas of the state. People are more than willing to show up. They're almost all white. Large percentages of them watch Fox so-called news and listen to right-wing hate radio. So, hey, what's your problem, people? Meanwhile, the New York Times is reporting that three different investment vehicles inside the Trump family have invested heavily in the French company, Sanofiel, that makes hydrochloroquine, the anti-malaria drug that Trump has been pushing as a way to treat COVID-19. We're also now seeing for the first time in the history of our country what it's actually like when you take a wannabe mob boss, lifelong grifter, and make him president of the United States. It's like a plot out of a bad Hollywood movie, but we're living it. It's just amazing. And an entire political party, the Republican Party, has thrown in with him. I mean, this is exactly what Alexander Hamilton warned us about in the Federalist Papers. I think it was Federalist 65 where he's going on about the reason for the Electoral College was to keep out men of low character. It's just incredible. Plaquenil is the French company, is the one that Trump has invested in. They own the patent for the brand name version. The drug comes with severe side effects ranging from nausea and hair loss to blindness and heart attacks. And as a consequence of that, the Swedish hospitals are saying, enough, we're not going to use this drug anymore. They've had people have terrible, terrible side effects as a result of using this drug. And so they're saying, no, you know, I think think we'll pass on this. This uh, Rosie McCall over at Newsweek writing, as of two weeks ago, Shalingskra University Hospital stopped all use of chloroquine in the treatment of COVID-19. Several hospitals in Sweden have reportedly stopped administering chloroquine to coronavirus patients following reports the drug was causing adverse side effects. Among the side effects, you can die of a heart attack. Yeah, wonderful. Here we have, you know, we've got the Supreme Court throwing in with the right-wingers. We've got the Wisconsin Supreme Court, when one of their own is on the ballot today. You've got now Peter Navarro. Peter Navarro has been on this program uh, several times in the past. It's been quite a few years, but... You know, he's been a trade hawk for years. He's been opposed to offshoring American jobs, as were most of the members of the Democratic Party right up until 1992, uh, when Bill Clinton kind of lurched the entire party to the corporate. 
I was gonna say to the right, but it's really, this is corporate versus the people, basically, you know, with NAFTA. And Peter Navarro, it turns out, back in January, January 29th, when Trump was still saying it's a democratic hoax and it's gonna vanish and it's gonna be wonderful and don't worry, Peter Navarro wrote a memo to Trump and the White House team, uh, specifically to the White House coronavirus team, saying you could have between a half a million and two million. Actually, he had two memos that were about a week apart. The first one said a half a million people could die. The second one said up to two million people could die. You guys have to do something. These are quotes from the memo. This lack of protection elevates the risk of the coronavirus evolving into a full-blown pandemic, imperiling the lives of millions of Americans. That was the one dated January 29th. The one dated February 23rd, he said that there is an increasing probability of a full-blown COVID-19 pandemic that it could infect as many as 100 million Americans with the loss of life of as many as 1.2 million souls. He urged immediate supplemental spending from Congress of $3 billion. He said this is not a time for penny-pinching or horse trading on the Hill. And he went on about this. I mean, any member of the task force who wants to be cautious about appropriating funds for a crisis that could inflict trillions of dollars in economic damage and take millions of lives has come to the wrong administration. Now, apparently they're the right one. He said we need at least a billion face masks over a four to six year period. He was completely ignored, contradicted, and sidelined. It's, it's breathtaking. Tom Harbin here with you. Now it turns out Politico is reporting that career health officials behind the scenes have been, quote, warned not to publicly speak out and potentially contradict Trump. Are we in full dictator mode yet? Is that what we're seeing here? How is this Republican plan to suppress the vote? going to play out. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll know at the end of the day today, I suppose, when, when uh, Wisconsin starts reporting Milwaukee with a very, very substantial black population going from 180 polling places down to five, while rural areas are open and you can vote, no problem. It's going to be real interesting to see how this plays out. I'm guessing that this is the Republicans' test run for November. They wanted to have this election because they want to see if they can actually succeed. If you can force people in this situation. Now, now keep in mind, you know, people over 60, more likely to die from coronavirus. Also, probably, therefore, less likely to go vote unless they happen to be watching Fox News. The Fox News voters will show up in large numbers to vote because they don't think it's that big a deal. And then three weeks from now, you're going to start seeing them being admitted to the hospitals. Three to four weeks from now, you're going to see an explosion of deaths in Wisconsin, I predict. We'll see. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but, you know, here we have people getting together. We know that just breathing the air that other people breathe and six feet, it turns out, is not a close enough distance, enough to infect you. Some polling places have no ventilation. This is just a prescription for disaster. But the Republicans don't care if people die. They just want to hold power. It's all about power for the GOP. That is literally the only thing that they're focusing on right now. Vicki in Gillington, Wisconsin. Hey, Vicki, what's up? I'm noticing the irony of the Supreme Court, in effect, 
mailing in their decision when we mm-hmm. are supposed to show up and take our lives in our hands to make ours? Yeah, the only person in the building was John Roberts. Everybody else did it remotely. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty breathtaking, really, when you think about it, you know. Yep. Um, but, yeah, that's what's going on. Thanks, Tom. And so, yeah, thank you, Vicki. Good to hear from you. Jay in Tacoma, Washington. Hey, Jay, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, I know I'm not crazy, but within the last two to three and a half years, I saw it come off of Trump's face that he'd like to cancel the elections. And I was in Los Angeles during the riots. I remember what it's like to have National Guard in the corner. It mm-hmm. can get real creepy. Let's push yeah. back and expose him on this one. Fact check me on this, please. The main thing that they're going to try and do is prevent states from doing vote by mail. I mean, that's going to be their big push. Oh, you know, this will be all over by November. Don't worry. It's going to be wonderful. Everything's going to be fine. Because they know that when vote by mail numbers go up, just like when you extend early voting, you get more women voting and you get more young people voting. And both those demographics tend to vote more Democratic than Republican. And the Republicans don't want that to happen. So the big battle, I mean, obviously, we've got this battle going on in Wisconsin right now. Well, the battle is lost, I guess. You know, How can we have a is happening. convention? Well, I don't think we we're going to have a convention. convention. I have a feeling it's going to be a virtual convention. I had airplane tickets booked for the DNC, and I've canceled them. I mean, it's just obvious to me that thing, that ain't going to happen. Maybe it's time for what popular vote. You know, like Hillary. Oh, Obama, yeah. Well, the, the only way. You know, popular vote. Yeah, George Bush lost the popular vote. Donald Trump lost the popular vote. If we went by the popular vote only, the last Republican president would have been uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. And frankly, that's the way it should be. I agree with you. But, you know, there's this thing in the Constitution about the Electoral College. And so it's going to take enough states joining that interstate compact. You can find it over fairvote.org, as I recall. It's going to take a bunch of states joining that compact to participate in this thing. And, uh, you know, I don't see that happening right now. Everybody's been so, so down Jay, on Bernie, you know, but isn't what we're doing is socialism right now? Can't all this money run? That's socialism. And everybody's <laughs> down on Bernie about it, but, you know, in, in a way, we're yes. real good for it, sir. Okay, thank you, yeah, Tom. I'm with you. Thanks a lot, Jay. Good talking to you. Right? I mean, we've got an election coming up in November. The Republicans are going to try and say, oh, by then the virus will be cured. No, I don't think so. I think that this is going to play out like polio, frankly. People lived in fear every year of polio. You know, a lot of people got it. My wife's grandmother had it. Franklin Roosevelt had it. It killed a lot of people. And then finally in 1956, when the polio vaccine was developed and widely distributed, maybe it was 57, I think it was 57, I was in second grade, I still remember lining up to take the polio uh, vaccine, you know, the, the little sugar cube thing. You know, I think we're going to see the same played out this time. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? 
maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Jim in Milwaukee. Hey, Jim, what's up? You've, you found uh, one of those five open polling places? Yeah, I do. You know, uh, I, I had to go to a different place to vote because, you know, they had closed most of them. And I was expecting mm-hmm. a line down the block, around the corner and everything. We went to this high school, which is uh, fairly new, and they had a really huge gymnasium. And this place was so well organized. There was volunteers everywhere. Uh, We walked in. They squirted our hands with some uh, sanitizer. Before you can go to to get the ballot, they make sure that you're a registered voter. And if you go to the uh, to the another table, they direct you where it is because there was a line at least a half a block long, you know. And I was in and out in a half hour, both me and my wife. Mm-hmm. I was pleased. I wasn't going to go because I thought it was going to be a disaster. But I know that if I didn't, they win. And I had to go. Rain or shine, I'm going. And it was a pleasant deal. That's a tough one, Jim. You know, somebody just getting close enough to you to put hand sanitizer on your hands, you're in the field yeah. of their breath. I mean, that, that's well, got to be... Everyone had be. masks. All the volunteers yeah. had masks. We had a mask. Well, <clears throat> Some people had gloves. They all had gloves. Yeah. Well, and it was, uh, it was good. I'm, I'm telling you, it, it worked out good. Yeah. But you should have been able to vote by mail, Jim. I should have. I, mean, I missed that, it. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I don't I don't mean to blame you. I'm saying, you know, the, the, the governor said we're going to extend the vote by mail deadline oh. to June 6th. Oh. And and the, the state Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court struck that down in yep, both of I them know. entirely on partisan lines. Yep. This is yep. the new Republican strategy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Jim, Jim, thank you for the call. I, I sure hope so. Tom in uh, Wapaka, uh, Wapaka, Wisconsin. Am I saying that right, Tom? <laughs> Wapaka, Tom. I appreciate well, your call. It. Thank you. 
What's up? Interesting to listen to Jim in Milwaukee. I'm an hour and a half north of him in rural Wisconsin, and it's a different world. But um, I've lived here since 71. I'm a political scientist. This state is the history textbook on what's going on with corporate America, corporate media, rigged electorate, United Citizens United. Walker was the Koch brother creation. I haven't seen my state representative who's a Republican live at a public open event since he ran for first election 12 years ago. So I don't know what Jim's thinking in Milwaukee. I'm glad he's voting. I voted absentee. I don't know a single person up here who's a Democrat who's going to the polls today. They all voted absentee. All my friends voted absentee. Every damn one of them. That's great. That's great. And and hopefully that'll show up tonight. Tony Evers is a god in a state that's quite, quite frankly, still Mississippi. And our Republicans have sold their souls. They're not a party. They're a cult. But until we clean up corporate America, corporate media, and get the chambers of commerce to stop supporting these bastards, we're in trouble. And the Chamber of Commerce here is the one pushing the Supreme Court over the edge here and have been with Citizens United money for 15 years now or whatever. So we got a lot of issues here. We're the Petri dish. We need the nation to come save us because this state isn't strong enough. Tony's not strong enough alone to do it. To stand up to billionaires like Charles Koch and his buddies. Charles Koch, he's not alone. The beer barons in Milwaukee are with them. I mean, Menards is with them. Quick Trip Corporation. Yeah. I could go down a And list. you got United Health is headquartered there. I'm sure that they're they're you know we've not got that. Uh, I mean, politically I think, inactive. And we've got no functioning independent media of strength. And yeah. the weekly. Oh wait a minute! United Healthcare is in Minnesota. I'm sorry, but yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, um, the weekly newspapers are not strong enough. The Gannett newspapers have dwindled. Uh, I mean, it's just a complete train wreck of confluences of bad rivers in this state and la follette no longer resides here tom this is completely a red state other than madison and milwaukee yeah well time will tell tom i I, you know there's there's a lot of change in the air and on the other hand you see countries around the world you know look at orban's hungary that they're using the coronavirus as an excuse to crack down on dissent Right. So we'll see how this goes. I know. Goes I've, we've seen this playbook yeah. before, Tom, in history. I'm optimistic. I have to be. I have a millennial. But I think it's going to take a long time to wing this out. Keep yeah, fighting, I'm optimistic Wisconsin. too, Keep Tom. Keep fighting America. You got it. You got it, Tom. Thank you for the call. Dave in Goodman, Wisconsin. Hey, Dave, what's, uh, what's on your mind? Hi, what's your Tom. Experience it's actually here, Tom? Armstrong Creek, which is about five miles from Goodman. But uh, I voted okay. this morning, and... I've been voting in the same place. It's a small polling place, a community center. And the same ladies that were there, we all had masks, uh, got in and out really fast. But they were pretty disgusted that they had to be there. And I kind of, yeah. you know, voiced my views. And, it, you know, we all know what it's all about. Uh, even though I would say they probably in the past have been Republican, I think they're kind of changing their attitude right now the way it seemed to me and Mm. you know this virus uh there's cases in northern wisconsin in the up it's crossed the bridge into the up i'm very close to the border and there's a a death in one of the hospitals that i would normally go to and so this virus is around 
And a lot of the people that were coming in behind me weren't wearing masks. They were elderly. And I don't think they're taking this seriously. And once we start getting a few cases around here, you know, people could, this could get passed on really easily, even though it's a very rural area. But, yeah. um... Those, yeah, those elderly not, people not, not wearing masks are probably uh, your Fox News viewers. Here. There's a few, few more people like me around here, too. So, yeah. you know, but it is kind of Trump country, and I don't know what they see in this man, but I think they watch Fox News too much. So, yeah, anyway, really, you have a good really, day, Tom. Is amazing. Thank you, Dave. Good to hear from you. Debbie in Prescott, Wisconsin. Hey, Debbie, what's on your mind today? Oh, hey, Tom. First-time caller, long, long-time listener. I'm a old RN, very close to your age probably, still working with Mayo Clinic, um, was going to retire June 1, had all the paperwork in, but rescinded it with this pandemic. I work out of my home, so it's easy for me to keep on working, but um, I'm a gardener. I live out in the country. I live in a local farming community surrounded by many GOP people. Mm-hmm. And it's so darn frustrating. My neighbors that we share a driveway just put up a big old flagpole yesterday with the American flag and a Trump 2020 underneath it. I was just livid when I went out to my my driveway. The good news is I can't see it from my uh, house, which is good. But um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to. I had a garden cart made last summer. I believe in peace, love, and harmony. I'm going to fight back. I had a sign. I'm having a sign prepared that says Peace Garden. I'm going to put it out on the roadside or near the road when my flowers start uh, blooming and start making bouquets and putting some treats out there. I am going to fight back with love. Um, I, I, I sense the frustration with Wisconsin voters. I am a poll worker, too. Little Township Hall, I refuse to work. Um, you know, I'm an RN. I got a daughter with breast cancer who's a physician and a son with asthma. They're in their 40s. I understand the the seriousness of what's going on out there, and I just want everyone else to too. But keep a positive attitude, Wisconsin. We got to get through this. And I'm a Bernie supporter. Have been, will always be. But I will vote for who is ever going to beat Trump. Debbie, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I got the uh, email last week from uh, the Trump campaign saying, would you like a Trump 2020 yard sign? I probably should have said, yes, I, I could come up with inventive things to do with it. But, uh, you know, dump, I, Trump, I, right, I, dump uh, on top or something like that. You know, my, my personal family are, um, of course, you know, Democrat, but and my significant up near the Brule River is uh also, his family is all Democrat, but my personal siblings from Iowa farm country, all Republican. I cannot have a conversation oh, with any man. of my siblings about this. Debbie, Debbie, I, you know, thank you for checking in with I've got to move along, but thank you. And, and thanks for sharing your story. Renee in Paris, France. Hey, Renee, what's up? Hi. Hi, Tom. Thank you. I listen to your show every day and thank you for what you do. My hometown is Plymouth, Wisconsin, so of course I'm very concerned on what's going on back in Wisconsin. One thing that really hasn't been talked about is uh, tying together the issue of um, voting by mail and the upcoming problems with the Postal Service. It seems to Mm -hmm. me that they were overlooked in the bailout, and if the move is going to be towards um, ballot by mail, which I fully support, that's a problem if some government, you know, 
person or persons uh, way up there, high in the government, decide to uh, kind of start messing with the Postal Service. Then what do we do? They started messing with it in 2005 when they said that they had to set aside $5 billion every year to pay for the retirement of uh, people 75 years from now, people who haven't even been born yet. Um, and, you know, that that was done to stop the post office from uh, uh, making its fleet of vehicles electric cars. Um, that's still going on. And now they're projecting that the post office is going to run out of cash in June. So you're absolutely right. Right. Uh, something needs to be done. The, the simple thing would be to simply unlock the, the tens of billions of dollars that the post office has stashed in this retirement fund for 75 years from now for that for the health benefits of people 75 years from now. But it has to be. You're absolutely right, Renee. I mean, this this has to be done right away. In addition to passing federal legislation that essentially preempts the states, these 17 states where you've got to have a doctor's slip to get a, an absentee ballot and and making, you know, universal vote by mail for November. I mean, it's just got to be done. Right. We need the infrastructure to have the vote by mail. We have to have it. There you go. I'm with you. Renee, thanks so much for watching us there in Paris, France on Facebook Live. I appreciate it. It's great to hear from you. And, and thanks for weighing in as another Wisconsin, former Wisconsin resident. <laughs> what a fascinating day. Well, welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Fascinating stuff going on. President Obama tweeted an article about Elizabeth Warren. It's titled, it's from Vox. It's titled, Elizabeth Warren has a plan for this too. And President Obama tweeted this on his personal account, at Barack Obama, 115 million followers. Tweeted, as she often does, at Sen Warren, at Senator Warren, he name checks her, Twitter handle checks her right there in the tweet. As she often does, Senator Warren provides a cogent summary of how federal policymakers should be thinking about the pandemic in the coming months. Now, when the guy who is arguably the head of the Democratic Party, he certainly was when he was president, and he has not been replaced by another Democratic president, um, when the guy who is one of the most highly respected and revered members of the Democratic Party. He's got cred on the progressive side. He's got cred on the more conservative side and the corporate side. I mean, Barack Obama has managed brilliantly to be kind of all things to all people. When that man reaches out and doesn't say, hey, Joe Biden's got a great plan for the coronavirus epidemic, although Joe does, he doesn't say, hey, Bernie Sanders has got a great plan. He doesn't say, hey, Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris or, or uh, uh, Stacey Abrams. He doesn't, he's not... He's not name-checking any of those people. He's giving a shout-out to Elizabeth Warren. Why would that be? Is it that he's concerned that Joe Biden can't go the, the whole way or that, uh, you know, he may be, you know, maybe there should be a plan B in case Joe gets sick or something happens, God forbid? Oh, the same for, for Bernie, I suppose. You know, they're both older white guys or older guys. Elizabeth Warren, though, if she's not 70, she's close to it. But she is a bundle of energy, and she doesn't come across as 70. She comes across as mid-50s. So is he talking about, hey, here's our plan B for the Democratic Party. Here's my preference. Or is this his way of signaling to Joe Biden, hey, Joe, I know you're thinking about, you know, vice president, and here's my suggestion. 
Or did he just see an article and he had too much coffee this morning and he was all jacked up and thought, I got to share this with people. Oh boy, look at this. Which is, you know, how I tend to tweet in the morning. <laughs> Which is it? I honestly don't have a clue. But there's a lot of theorizing going on, and there's, uh, there's a great th thread, actually, about this, uh, the thing that flagged me to this originally over on Daily Kos. Marcos Melitzis himself uh, tweeting, you know, basically that same kind of speculation. It's like, you know, what's going on here? Oh, this is interesting. Marty in Evergreen Park, Illinois. Hey, Marty, what's up? I chimed in last week um, when I was uh, talking about my dad who was in the hospital with a COVID-19 infection. And I uh, just wanted to thank, you know, anybody who said prayers for me and my family because my dad has recovered. They let him out of the hospital. He's back at home with us. And, you know, we're all as gracious as can be. I mean, he's, you know, he definitely appreciates how lucky he is to be alive. But I wanted to talk about hydroxychloroquine because, you know, the Trump administration is touting this recklessly as a miracle drug. Now, the only thing I have to say is they did give my father that when he was in the hospital and he never had to go. They they had him on oxygen, but he never progressed to the point where he needed a ventilator. And we're not, nobody is for sure if that is what made the difference between him, like, you know, between his lungs, you know, completely filling up with fluid or tiring out or whatever. I just fear that they might be onto something with that. But, you know, who knows? Who knows if he would have had the same outcome if he wouldn't have had that. I mean, I guess that's why, you know, we need to do a lot more testing on that. But I just fear that, you know, he's going to use that, you know, as his ticket into another, like, you know, term in office. And I hope that's not the case. But... Oh, yeah, he's, he, he has bet large on it, both apparently financially and politically. And hydrochloroquine and chloroquine are used for lupus because they suppress inflammation. Lupus is a, a disease where the body's immune system attacks itself kind of systemically. So you would think that anything that reduces systemic inflammation reduce, would be a good treatment because it's not the disease that kills you, it's the body's overreaction to it that kills you or at least that's the prevailing thought. And therefore, hydrochloroquine, which is a little less, has fewer side effects than chloroquine, hydrochloroquine might be useful. And, you know, it needs to be tested. The original French study had no controls. There's a lot of suspicion around it. Plus, the company that owns the patent is a French company, Santafil. That's the company that Trump has invested in. But, you know, yeah, it's entirely possible. One of the things that we learned is that other drugs that just reduce fever, you know, like Advil, for example, uh, ibuprofen actually make you worse. You know, they're not good for you. Yeah, we need to find out. Marty, I'm so glad to know that your dad's doing better. Thank you very much for calling and sharing that with us, keeping us up to date. Sure. Thank you again. Good to hear. You're welcome. Good to hear from you. Mitchell in Las Vegas. Hey, Mitchell, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, I just want to worry about our next boat. I think that we ought to be working yeah, on, on getting the boat right away now and, and, and not putting it off. I think this coronavirus is a big, deadly and very serious, but they've got to start working on boat by mail. I'm absolutely with you. And, and this is, you know, we had Ron Wyden on the show a couple of weeks ago because he introduced legislation to, to basically require all the states to send a ballot to all their people. If people still want to show up at the polling place, fine, but everybody gets a ballot. And that's and that's absolutely what we need. Thank you for the call, Tom, in uh, Tomahawk, Wisconsin. Hey, Tom, what's up? Hey, Tom. I'm just thinking to myself, where is 
President Obama in all this. It means we need. Well, he's out of office. He's he's respectfully. What's going on? He's respectfully. He's respectfully standing back and letting the, the Trump controls the instrument of government. So Trump has the information. Trump has the access to national security information. I'm assuming Obama is still getting national security briefings. Ex-presidents typically do. But, you know, they typically don't talk about it. I, I think I think Barack Obama, President Obama, is uh, basically appropriately keeping his head down. Anything he says right now, Trump will turn into something partisan. Trump hates Obama with a burning passion. I think, frankly, it's more envy than hate, but, you know, it comes across as hatred. So I think President Obama would be doing probably himself a disservice if he tried to play the role that, for example, Governor Cuomo is doing. You know, we'll see where this goes, Tom. I get what you're saying, and I absolutely understand the sentiment. There needs to be a national voice that is speaking back to Donald Trump. I think that Andrew Cuomo is acceptable to the corporate media. He's a, you know, corporate Democrat. Um, you know, but beyond that, he is on the front line. His state is the one that's getting hammered. He's the one who who has been, you know, basically talking back to Trump. And God bless him for it. You know, I, 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 you know, I, I want to see more of it. I don't want to see him as our president, but I do, but I do want to see, you know, Democrats who are standing up to Trump in the media. And I'm sick and tired of seeing this uh, this pathetic, lie-filled BS dog and pony reality show every afternoon on television. I'm just so tired of having to get up and go turn the TV over to BBC to get away from that whiny voice. Russ in Portland. Hey, Russ, what's up? Yeah, Tom, I wanted to thank you for bringing up the uh, deplorable, disgraceful situation with this uh, Republican clown, Thomas Modley. The only reason this guy is uh, acting secretary of the Navy is he's an investment banker who gave a lot of money to Trump's uh, presidential campaign. Uh, this guy and the president that uh, put him in there could not carry the piss bucket of commander, captain and commander, Brett Crozier. Uh, it, there's, a, there's a much bigger thing going on here than just uh, this disgraceful situation yesterday where, where Modley flies 8,000 miles. And by the way, if anybody with the Democratic administration had done this, the Republicans like Rand Paul would be screaming about the cost. But he goes 8,000 miles not only to trash Crozier, but to trash the men and women that serve on the aircraft carrier who cheered Crozier when he walked off the carrier last week after he had been, he had been fired. But as I said, this goes much, much further. Mm-hmm. And I'd just like to read really quickly two-sentence paragraph from the New York Times. Like much of the Trump administration, what began as a seemingly straightforward challenge, the arrival of coronavirus on board a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, has now engulfed the military, leading to far-reaching questions of undue command influence and the demoralization of young men and women who promised to protect the country. At its heart, this crisis aboard the Theodore Roosevelt has become a window into what matters and what does not in an administration we're remaining on the right side of a mercurial, I would say back crap, crazy, mercurial president is valued above all else. If this guy gets reelected, you're going to see a situation where all of the people in the military are going to be required to sign a loyalty oath to the dear leader. And this, this is endangering our national security. This is big stuff. Yeah, I'm, I, I completely agree with you, Russ. And Donald Trump 
doesn't care about the military, except that, you know, to the extent that he can use them as props for his reelection. Really, he doesn't care about anything or anyone except himself and his own and his own political future. And Russ, thank you. Apparently, I was just looking at our delay. Apparently, it's up to three seconds right now. This is a how how heavily loaded the Internet is as, as a consequence of that. So, you know, when I put you on the air, just assume you're on the air and just start talking like Russ just did. He just did a great job to finish your rant and then toss it back to me. Uh, you know, we all have to make some compensations here as we thrust into this uh, worldwide pandemic. Something that, you know, it's like out of a Michael Crichton novel. You know, it's like, who, who would have imagined? It's like we're all hiding in our houses because the wolf is out there ravaging the countryside. We're the zombies. Jack in Cortez, Colorado, you are on the air. Jack, what's your rant today? There are a couple quotes from George Orwell that just seem to apply right now. One of them was, the people will believe what the media tells them they believe. And the other one is, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. I think that's very important to think about. Yeah, I'm with you. Those are those are great, Jack. I, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the call, Jeff in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind? Today? Hey, Tom. Hope everyone's safe. Quick question. Well, quick opinion. The Wisconsin election today. Another slant. And I agree with you what they're trying to do. But could it help for the general? Because we've heard that Trump and his team may try to halt or postpone the general due to the coronavirus, if it's still going on and people are not getting into the polls. Now, isn't the precedent set that they can't do that? By these two Supreme Court decisions, even the state and the, and the federal court decisions, the, the U.S. Supreme Court was very careful to say that they were very narrowly interpreting a small piece of the law, of, of Wisconsin state law. And I haven't read the Supreme Court decision from Wisconsin's Supreme Court, but I'm guessing they took the same position. You know, we're just technocrats here. We're just, in, you know, we're not going to look at the big picture of a pandemic or anything like that. We're just going to look at this little piece of law and decide on it. And and uh, so whether that would have application to the ability of a governor or of the president to mess with our elections come November, I'm skeptical. I doubt it, Jeff. Okay, just a thought. I was just trying to get out some positive out of it. (laughs) So, yeah, thank you. No, it's all good. Thanks a lot for the call. Yeah, I appreciate it. Another story I wanted to share with you. This is from uh, Daily Kos by Mark Sumner. Mark is just, you know, one of the smartest guys out there, and he, his stuff is always so worth reading over on Daily Kos. I'm a big fan of Mark's and, and Gabe Ortiz. I mean, they're, they're, they're Hunter and, and uh, Marcos himself. There's some just really great talent over there at Daily Kos. And uh, he's got this piece called Keep in Your Dead. Uh, the true toll of COVID-19 is being undercounted, including in New York. And his point is that if you die at home from COVID, you're not listed as a COVID death. If you die in the ambulance on the way to the hospital from COVID, you're not listed as a COVID death. Um, they're not even bringing heart attack victims back to the hospital to try to resuscitate them anymore, which has dramatically collapsed the need for hospital beds in New York City. Um, You know, they're just saying, oh, he had a heart attack. We're just going to, you know, and he's no longer breathing. We're just going to let him die rather than get him to the hospital and try to revive him or her. Um, 
And a lot of these people are actually dying of COVID-19 because one of the things, one of the ways that it kills people is it attacks the heart muscle uh, as aggressively, in some cases, as it attacks lung tissue. And so people have heart attacks. And they're not diagnosed as COVID-19, they're diagnosed as heart attacks. So basically what he's saying and what the news is telling us, frankly, is that the actual death toll here in the United States is much higher than we think it is. Dennis in Aptos, California. Hey, Dennis, what's up? Well, I was just wondering if it would be possible for the Joint Chiefs of Staff to have a meeting with Trump and tell him, you're the commander-in-chief, but now you are relieved of your command. I guess that would be a coup d'etat. I think we need one. I don't think this, yes, this country would. can take one more day of this guy being president. I don't think the Joint Chiefs could do that, but the, the group that can do that under the Constitution is the Cabinet. They can yeah, invoke the 25th Amendment. Uh, it would require Mike Pence to, to step forward. But yeah, I agree with you, Dennis. They're all getting exactly what they want. Wilbur Ross, the billionaire investor, is getting inside stock tips. Um, he's apparently also a big investor in the, in the chloroquine company. Um, you know, Betsy DeVos is getting to privatize schools all over the country. She's happy. Uh, Wheeler, the head of the EPA, is, is uh, you know, a former coal lobbyist, is, is uh, shutting down regulations. The guy who's running Interior, uh, forgive me for not remembering his name, a former oil lobbyist, is selling off public lands. Uh, you got Steve Mnuchin at Treasury, who's passing out hundreds of billions of dollars to his good buddies in the big banks. He used to be with Goldman Sachs, and he's a, you know, former bankster and the guy who threw thousands and thousands of Californians out of their homes when he ran a bank in California, the so-called foreclosure king. So I don't see any of these. Can, and of course, Mike Pence is young enough that he can run for president in four years and, uh, you know, obviously fully expects to as long as he keeps giving Trump these adoring looks. George Will called it gelatin, oleaginous today. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, I was just going to say also, I am waiting for a reporter to uh, one of these reporters. Maybe it has to be Acosta to just really tell Trump off in front of millions of uh, TV viewers. You know, just call him a big liar right to his face. You're lying. We have you on tape poo-pooing this a month or two ago. Stop denying it. And you are responsible, sir. Somebody needs to step up to the plate like Rather did back in the Watergate era when he asked Nixon if he, uh, you know, uh, what are you, you know, when he was asked, are you running for something by Nixon? And he said, I'm not. Are you? We need a moment like that to put this man in his, in right. his place. So that's all I got to yeah. say. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Dennis. I'm not holding my breath, but... I would like to see some courage coming out of the press corps, but frankly, it's too late for me. I stopped on Friday, maybe even Thursday, was the last time that I was willing to tolerate that man's voice in my house any longer. Uh, Whenever Trump comes on, I go to BBC. It's just very simple. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The big news that I opened the show with, of course, is that the Supreme Court said, the U.S. Supreme Court 
said, if you want to have your vote registered in the election, you have to physically show up in Wisconsin if you haven't already received your mail-in ballot, even though the state has not yet mailed out all the mail-in ballots people who, re- who requested them. In other words, Tony Evers, sorry, screw you, we're going with the Republicans. Well, that's the story out of the Supreme Court that's getting all the traction, all the publicity, all the air time. But another thing came out of the Supreme Court that I think was really noteworthy. The Supreme Court announced that on May 6th, which is basically a month from today, today is April 7th, on May 6th, the Supreme Court is going to hear opening arguments in the Trump administration and 20 Republican secretaries of state and governors' efforts to completely do away with the Affordable Care Act. End Obamacare altogether, period, full stop, back to barbarism. It'll throw 20 million people off their Affordable Care Act plans, cause 135 million Americans who have pre-existing conditions to be in a position where their insurance companies can now screw with them. And we don't yet know how the insurance companies are going to deal with coronavirus. So they're going to say, oh, that's a pre-existing condition. That's an act of God. We're not covering it. Whatever. But here you have Donald Trump, Bill Barr, and 20 Republican attorneys general and governors, 20 Republican governors from around the country, all going to the Supreme Court. And no, they have not withdrawn the case arguing that the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, needs to be wiped out, eliminated, do away with it. No more protecting us from the health insurance companies if we have pre-existing conditions. No more protecting us from the health insurance companies if we hit a lifetime limit. No more protecting us from the health insurance companies if they want to jack up our rates. No more protecting us from the health health insurance companies and the for-profit hospital industry on surprise billings, although those, those protections are fairly thin, but there are some in there. None of that. No more expansion of Medicaid. Poor Working poor people all across the United States, people who are working for $10, $7.25 an hour, $8 an hour, $9 an hour, $10 an hour, $11 an hour. Across the country, The bottom half of our workforce is on average making less than $15 an hour. That bottom half of our workforce, in fact, the largest percentage of them are making less than $11 an hour. That workforce has had the ability to get Medicaid through the Medicaid expansion in the Affordable Care Act. Now, yes, there's a bunch of Republican states that never expanded their Medicaid, and that's one of the reasons why you're going to see some really horrific death numbers coming out of these places. We're already seeing it right now in Louisiana, where in rural Louisiana counties, I believe the number was about half of all the, it might even be higher than that, half of all the people in Louisiana who are dying of coronavirus right now are African-American, but the state's population isn't 50% black. And, and the reason for that is it's, it's hitting rural areas that are very poor that don't have hospitals. And, you know, if you can't get into a hospital, you're not going to get into an ICU bed, uh, you know, and a ventilator. It's just, you know, it doesn't happen. And the only reason they put ventilators, <clears throat> excuse me, is because without the ventilator, they would die. I mean, it's just that simple. And so what do you do if you live in a county where there's no hospital? or where the hospital has one ventilator, as is the case with a lot of these rural hospitals. I mean, it's just, it, this, is, this is just going to be a flaming disaster. And those states that have not expanded, like Florida and Mississippi, for example, they have seen hundreds 
of rural hospitals closed just in the last couple of years because Medicaid isn't there to pay for the care for people in these hospitals. So people just die at home. They don't go in when they get when they find a lump or they have a pain or whatever. They don't go to the doctor. They don't go to the hospital and, you know, they die. They die of their of preventable diseases, preventable illnesses. And, you know, this is exactly the way the Republicans want it. Just let the poor die. To hell with them. That's the official Republican mantra. You know, Anderson Cooper asked Ron Paul, you know, you got a 30 year old man who's who's, uh, you know, got hit by a car and he's out in front, but he doesn't have insurance. He's out in front of the emergency room of the hospital. What should the hospital do? And Ron Paul basically said, let him die in the gutter. I mean, that's the Republican way, right? Let them die in the gutter. And I'm astonished that this isn't like one of the lead stories in the news today all across the country. Donald Trump wants to rip health insurance away from 20 million people and rip from 135 million Americans protections against health insurance companies saying we won't cover something that you had before, pre-existing conditions. Half of us have pre-existing conditions. The Trump administration wants to screw half of America. And they're fighting to do so in front of the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court just set a date for a month from yesterday. And the Trump administration and these Republicans are going to go in there and go, this is unconstitutional, this is a terrible thing. It's got Obama's name on it, you know. We can't have that. America's first black president can't have any legislative victories. We've got to erase him. This is getting weird. Charles in Miami. Charles, you got 20 seconds. What's up? Well, well I just guess um, the Democrats, to me, left the trap door open for Donald Trump to take advantage. And he fired the um, the independent watchdog, fired the guy that was heading it. And it's going to yep. just try to steal the money. And I'm just trying to figure out how could the Democrats have let this happen when we had the upper hand. They needed us. I think they never in a million years expected that Trump would fire the, the inspector general. I mean, you know, you just... You really have to put your mind inside inside a sociopath's mind to understand how this is going to work. And normal people don't easily do that. That's why we're horrified but fascinated by movies about people like Hannibal Lecter. Donald Trump is the Hannibal Lecter of politics. Anyhow, thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same bat time, same bat place. And in the meantime, share with your friends how to find progressive media. Share good stories with them. Get out there, tag your it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.